Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. And the man knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, and said, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. So Adam and Eve have left the garden, and now they have consummated their marriage. Now, I want you to notice that every single verse in the Bible, including Genesis chapter 3, always consistently calls Eve Adam's wife. It, ne it never calls her a woman or his sister. It always calls her calls her his wife. And contrary to popular belief, having sex does not mean that you're married in God's eyes. In the Old Testament, if you have sex outside of marriage, it's called fornication, and it is a sin. But Adam and Eve never fornicated. They were actually married from day one. The Bible doesn't describe their marriage, but it does Every, every time it refers to Eve, it always calls her his wife. So evidently, God himself performed the marriage ceremony uh, between Adam and Eve, and maybe only God and possibly some, some angels attended their wedding so, or their marriage. So it's pretty phenomenal. It's the most unique marriage in history. And also, they were stark naked when they got married, <laughs> and they didn't know it. So, which, which is also pretty unique. So that was the first wedding. The first wedding was performed by God himself between a couple who were perfectly innocent and perfectly naked. <laughs> um, but they were married. Verse 2, And again she bore his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So the second son is named Abel, and he keeps sheep, and Cain is like a farmer. Verse 3, And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Now, in the Old Testament, off offerings are always supposed to be from your first fruit, meaning the first part of your paycheck, or the first part of your crops, or the first newborns of the flock. You're always supposed to take from the best, from the top, to give to God. You never give him the leftovers. But here in verse 3, it says, in the process of time, it came to pass. I think that might be a clue that Cain did not give the first fruit. He gave what was left over. I think possibly Cain took the best for himself and gave God what was left over. Because it doesn't say it's the first of the crop. It just says in the process of time. So I think that possibly could be what was wrong with Cain's offering. Verse 4, And Abel, he also brought of the first liens of his flock, and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. So it makes a point of saying that Abel's offering was a first fruit because it was the firstlings. It was the first babies that were born of the flock. Whereas Cain's was not a first fruit. It, it, it came in the process of time that Cain decided to give an offering. So this is what I think is wrong with Cain's offering. The reason God always wants us to take from the top is to show that we trust him to take care of our needs. If we spend all the money on our, our self first and then give God what's left over, it shows a lack of trust, that we don't really trust him 
to provide for us and that we feel that we have to provide for ourselves. And that seems to be what Cain has done. He has given himself the first fruit of the, of the crops. And then what was left over, he gave to God after he was sure that all of his needs were met. And that's not how you're supposed to give to God. You're supposed to give in faith before your needs are met. <laughs> so in verse 5, But unto Cain and to his offering, he, God, had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, meaning angry, and his countenance fell, meaning that he had a frown on his face. He was a little bit depressed. So Cain is now angry and sad and depressed because God did not like his offering. But we know that God did not like his offering because it was the dregs that were left over which showed that Cain didn't really trust God. Now a lot of people say that God didn't like Cain's offering because it was um, agriculture instead of a, a animal sacrifice. I disagree, although that's possible. I disagree because in the Old Testament, God not only allows agriculture sacrifices or offerings, but he also commands the Israelites to make offerings from their crops. So I don't think it was wrong of Cain to give an offering from his crops. What was wrong was that he didn't give the, the first fruit of the, of the crop. Verse 6, And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, meaning angry, and why is thy countenance fallen? 7, If thou dost well, shall it not be lifted up? And if thou dost not well, sin coucheth, or croucheth, at the door. And unto thee it is, is its desire, but thou mayest rule over it. So here God is saying, Why are you upset? If you do well, meaning if you give an offering out of faith, rather than a lack of faith, then then I'll accept it. So God is saying the whole point of giving me an offering is to show me that you trust me. And if you can't show me you trust me, then it, it's worthless. But God says, if you, if you do not do well, which means your heart isn't faithful, then sin is closely, is close at the door, meaning you're going to get tempted to sin and unto Unto you is its desire, but, but you may rule over it, meaning you can control yourself. You can resist sin. Now, I'm not 100% sure that this is an accurate interpretation of this verse, but it's how I take it. It could be read in other ways as well. It, God could have also been saying a sin offering is at the door, meaning a lamb crouching at the door. Go and go and sacrifice that. So, it could be, he could be saying, go, go pay your brother for the lamb and sacrifice that. I'm not sure if that's what God's saying or if he's simply saying that sin is close by and it's going to tempt you, but you need to rule over it. Because what we find that happens next is that sin does tempt Cain and he does not rule over it. He actually commits sin. Verse 8, And Cain spoke unto Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Now, I think what it means when it says Cain spoke to unto his brother Abel is that it was Cain was enticing him or giving him some sort of reason to be out in the field with him together because normally they wouldn't be together because normally you wouldn't have the lambs eating grass in the same place where the farmer is trying to grow crops. So I think Cain had words with Abel saying, let's go together 
for some reason. And it was to trick Abel so that he would have a chance to kill him. So Cain came against Abel and killed him. 9. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And, and he, Cain, said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? So it's kind of accusing God, like, are you saying that I have to take care of my brother? So again, he's making God look bad, just like this, this snake made God look bad to Eve. And he lied. He See here, God know, knew all along that Abel was dead. He, he didn't need to know that Abel was dead. But he asked Cain the question to give Cain a chance to confess his sin and repent. But instead of confessing his sin, saying Cain tries to cover it up, which is the same thing that Adam and Eve had done back in, I think it was uh, chapter 3, verse 10. And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. Now, later on, you're going to learn when we get into, I think it's Exodus, God says that, or it might be later in Genesis, God says that the life of a person is in the blood. So blood is very important to God, and we have to take it very seriously because the life is in the blood. He's, it's interesting, he's saying the voice of thy brother, your brother's blood is crying out to me for revenge. And later on in the Bible, it does say that revenge belongs to the Lord. So, so the brother's blood is asking God to take revenge on this murder. So 11, and now cursed art thou from the ground, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. 12, when thou till, when you tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a wanderer shalt thou be on the earth. So God is saying, now the ground is specifically cursed just for you. You can no longer be a farmer. So he's taken his occupation away from him. You're not going to be able to grow crops. Now, the ground had already been cursed for all mankind when God said that from now on, man would have to work to, to earn his bread, and he would have to farm and do agriculture to get food. But now there's a specific curse, especially for Cain and Cain only. And that curse is that Cain will not be able to grow crops. So he's going to have to forage, beg, borrow, whatever, or foraging, because he won't be able to grow anything anymore. Because Cain, uh, Cain caused his brother's blood to be spilled in the soil. So now he's, he's cursed, because the soil was never supposed to have blood in it. 13. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. 14. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the land, and from thy face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer in the earth. And it will come to pass that whosoever findeth me will slay me. 15. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. That means seven times. And the Lord set a sign for Cain, lest any finding him should smite him. So, Cain says that if I can't be a farmer, I'm going to have to wander from place to place to, to get sustenance. And so he says that will make me a fugitive. And when people find me because I don't have any place to land, they'll think that they can kill me 
basically, and no one will know since I'm a, I'm a foreigner and a fugitive everywhere. I'll never have my own home. Therefore, my own respect in the community. So that's what Cain is saying. He's going to be easy prey for anybody who does anything bad. So the Lord says, okay, then I will also put a curse on anybody who should kill you. They'll, I'll take revenge on them seven times over, meaning the Lord would probably kill them and their family. And he puts a mark on Cain. Now, some people claim that this mark is that Cain was black, but there is no indication whatsoever that it doesn't say he changed his color. It said he put a mark on him. So it, it wasn't that he made him black or any other color. It was that he literally put a mark on him. God loves the color black. Remember, he made black dogs, black cats, black horses, and he did make black people. So he, he loves the color black. It's a good color. There's even black flowers. So this is, black is not the mark. It's a color. Um, so Cain had some sort of mark on himself. 16. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. Now, isn't this interesting? He went out from the presence of the Lord. Does it mean that the Lord was hanging out in this certain location where most of the people were? Or does it mean that he just abandoned the Lord altogether? I'm not quite sure. But he dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. So there was probably somebody named Nod who established that area. Um, because lands are often named after people who established them. So this does show that there were other people in the world at the time, because Cain mentions other people, or else Cain perceives that there will be other people in the future. And the land of Nod is mentioned, so either it was named later or it was named before Cain went there. So it's not totally clear. Cain could be foretelling that there will be other people because he knows that his parents are going to keep having children. It could very well be that they've already had other children, and Cain was the second second son but but not necessarily the second child or or the only child. The Bible mentions the sons that Eve conceived, at least the first three, but it doesn't necessarily mention all of her children or the girls. There had to be girls um, because otherwise there wouldn't be other people. So it's possible that Eve had had girls at, up to this point and that she was going to have more sons and more daughters later. Okay, so 17, and Cain knew his wife. So there is a girl somewhere, and it's not Eve. <laughs> so, so Eve had girls, and one of them became Cain's wife. And she conceived and bore Enoch, and he builded a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son Enoch. So Cain was able to build a city and actually find a place to dwell, which means that when he told God that he would be a wanderer forever, he, he was being overly dramatic. <laughs> now, this is not the same Enoch that walked with God, who God took up to heaven and didn't let him die. This is a different Enoch, because the Enoch who walked with God came from the line of Seth, which is Eve's third son. So it is not the same Enoch. 18. And unto Enoch was born Irad, and Irad begot Mahujahel, and Mahujahel begot Methushael, and Methushael begot Lamech. Now, um, you must realize that the line of Cain does not um, continue on to Abraham. 
It is the third son of Eve who was named Seth. It's his line that continues on to Abraham and then on to Jesus. So everybody who comes from Cain is not related to Jesus. They're not from the same line. I I mean, in the sense that we're all human, yeah, we're all related, but they're from a totally different line. Okay, so 19, and Lamech took unto him two wives. The name of one was Ada, and the name of the other Zillah. Lamech thought it was okay to have two wives. Now, one of the reasons might be back in the Old Testament, it was common for men to have more than one wife, and it had to do with the economy was based on... um, a lot of farming and agriculture. So the more people you had in your family, the more farm hands you had, basically. And the better people to work work the farm and work your property would be the sons. So the more sons you had, the more power you had because they were your employees. And so the bigger family the bigger the family, the the bigger the household, the more employees, the more income that that family could generate. So having a lot of children meant having a bigger income source and more, and thus more power and more pull in their area. So if you only had one son, that's only one employee. You get my drift? So it was financially beneficial to have more than one wife in order to double, triple, quadruple the amount of kids you could have. Because of course, Every pregnancy takes nine months, and then there's weaning and all of that stuff. And a woman can't, you know, raise too many kids at once. So it was really common for people to have multiple wives for economic purposes. And you'll notice in the Old Testament that even women were okay with this a lot of times. And women would be really depressed if they didn't have sons, because Back in these ancient times, it was your son who took care of you in your old age. Your daughters would get married off, (laughs) and they wouldn't be taking care of you anymore. But your son could take care of you in your old age. So a woman without a son would be kind of destitute once her husband died. And if you're a woman, the more sons you have, the happier, the more prestige you have with your husband because you're generating more income in the long run for the entire family. Because, as, because the sons are workers. So that's why a lot of people had multiple wives back then. That doesn't mean that that was God's plan, but a lot of people did it. Okay, verse 20. And Adabor Jabal, he was the father of such as dwell in tents and have cattle. So her son was Jabal, um, 21. And his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all such as handle the harp and pipe. So the harp and pipe are both musical instruments. So Jubal was a musician, and Jabal was um, a tent dweller who, who stayed with the cattle out in the field. So he probably knew how to build tents. 22. And Zillah, the other wife, she bore Tubalcane, the forger of every cutting instrument of brass and iron. And the sister of Tubalcane was Nama. So Zillah had Tubalcane and Nama, and Tubalcane was basically the the first man <laughs> to create brass and iron instruments. Pretty pretty amazing. 23, And Lamech said unto his wives, Ada and Zillah, Hear my voice, ye wives of Lamech, hearken unto my speech, for I have slain a man 
for wounding me and a young man for bruising me. So he killed somebody because he was mad at them because they they caused him an injury. So somebody injured him, and then in retaliation, he killed the man who injured him. 24. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfolds, truly Lamech, 70 and sevenfold. So Cain is, if uh, Lamech is saying, you know, God put a curse that if anybody kills Cain, they'll, they'll have sevenfold trouble. So, so therefore, I believe that since I killed somebody, if anybody kills me, then God would give them 77 times trouble. But you need to know, God did not say this. Lamech said this, and Lamech is not God. <laughs> and it was wrong of Lamech to kill, just like it was wrong of Cain to kill. And remember, God put a curse on anyone who should kill Cain. Why? Because God hates killing. <laughs> Even if you kill a killer, God doesn't like that. But Lamech was speaking for himself. He wasn't speaking for God. So that, you know, what he was saying wasn't true. 25. Now, now notice, Lamech was a descendant of Cain, and maybe that's why Lamech thought it was okay to kill people, because he was Cain's descendant. So it kind of shows you how sin continues in the generations. 25. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son, and called his name Seth. For God hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, for Cain slew him. So this is Eve's third son, but it's probably not her third child. 26. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enosh. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. So this is interesting. At the, at the point that Enosh is born, or right after Enosh is born, um, which Enosh would be the grandson of Adam and Eve, when he gets born, men are actually beginning to pray. Now, the reason we pray is because God seems very distant from us. We can't hear him. We can't see him. He does speak into our heart, but he's not tangible. Like we can't, you know, touch his face and hear his voice audibly unless he comes to us in a vision. So basically, this was the point in human history where God began to be distant. And I think it's definitely because of sin. Because remember, Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden in the very beginning. God walked with them every day in the garden. But now man has become so distant from God by the third generation that man actually has to pray to talk to God. And that, that's like basically us, you know, getting on the cell phone to talk to our friends because they're so far away. We have to be on the phone to talk to them. So it shows you how far man has moved away from the Lord. And that concludes Genesis chapter 4.